I'm so glad that you're here this evening and that you're joining with us. And um, if you will go with me tonight to the book of Mark, if you don't have it in the outline, I'm going to go to Mark 135, and we're just going to read four short verses. When I was young, and I'm talking about young, our pastor used to sing a song, and I've never heard anybody else sing it but him and me, you know, because it was such an impact on my life. But he sang a chorus, and it was just called Shut In Alone with God in a Secret Place, there in his presence, beholding his face, gaining new power to run in the race. Oh, how I love to be shut in with God. And I know sometimes he watches this, and I hope you're watching it tonight, Pastor Frazier, because that song really made an imprint on my life. And there are times when I'm getting ready for my devotions in the morning, and I get up, you know, very early in the morning. I was up this morning just a little bit before 4 o'clock, and, and I just, I'll sing that course, shut in with God in a secret place. And trust me, when you get up early in the morning, it's a pretty secret place, okay, because nobody else is up and moving around at that time. But there in that time, and it's not always something emotional, but most of the time I can tell you I really do sense the presence of the Lord, that prolonged time where I'm not praying for the church, I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for the family, and then later in the day, I have another time of prayer where I just spend prolonged time in prayer for the church. But it's more about worship, and it's more about loving God, it's more about praying God's will into my family's life, into my grandchildren's life, my children's lives, and spending that time with Him. And so I want to talk to you tonight from the book of Mark. Jesus has had this very successful ministry in Capernaum, and He gets up and He goes to be alone with the Lord. Blaise Pascal said, and this should be in your outline tonight, and if not, it should be on the screen, uh, those of you that are watching at home, and you can get our notes uh, right online and follow online if you'd like to. And, and let me say, Keith, thank you for mentioning online giving. You know, I just remembered I wanted to give something to missions this evening for our, our youth and uh, for their missions project. And it's so neat to be able just to do that right online and be faithful to God in your giving and your stewardship. And thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. But Blaise Pascal said these words, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, for me, that's an invitation. When I read that, that to sit quietly in a room alone. For some of you, you're probably thinking, oh, I don't like to do that. That's just, you know, I have some friends, they are so, what's the word for people who really like to be out with other people? They're the life of the party. They're extroverts. There's another word for it too, but they're very extroverted. And they just, they can't stand to be alone. One time I asked somebody in a counseling session, I said, what's the problem that you have just being alone? They says, I have to be with myself. And so that's an important point to consider tonight as we go into this message. So let's begin by reading the word of the Lord tonight. Before daybreak the next morning, and this would have been about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. This is somewhere in that time frame because this is the fourth watch of the night. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, let me just make a comment about that isolated place. This is almost like when Jesus went out to be alone in the wilderness. Remember how we looked at that, how the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and there he faced the temptation from the enemy. 
and those three serious temptations. So Jesus, again, one place he's finding solitude where he's being tempted, now he's going back to a place of prayer and worship in an isolated place. Let me tell you this, just as that this is not a part of the message, so this won't cost you anything, okay? Sometimes your times of alone can be times of testing and trial, and sometimes they can be times of worship. And those of you that have experienced that, just nod at me to let me know you know what I'm talking about. They can be either one. Well, later Simon and the others went out to find him, and when they found him, now this is almost like a rebuke here. They're saying, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. Say that phrase with me. That is why I came. One more time. That is why I came. You need to underline that in your outline or in your Bible tonight. So he traveled through the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out the demons. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. Help us to grow in faith and help us, Lord, to recognize if Christ needed those isolated, alone times of prayer, how much more to every one of us who are listening to this message tonight, how much more do we need that in our lives as well? For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Again, let me say thanks so much for joining us. Well, the first thing I want you to notice tonight is Jesus' prayer focus. Jesus' prayer focus. Everybody has a focus in life. Uh, some people, their focus is on their career, their vocation. Some people, their focus is upon their family, their marriage. Some people, their focus in life is maybe their hobby. Maybe they're into cars, or maybe they're into art, or maybe they're into hunting and fishing, whatever it is. That's what the focus of their life is. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. It's very interesting to me how many times in the Bible that the Scriptures record that Jesus would actually go out and be alone to pray. It was a focus of his life. He would say later, he says, I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father saying. I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. Boy, wouldn't that be a great way for you and I to live, just to say only what the Lord is saying and to do only what the Lord is doing. Samuel Coleridge said this, He prayeth best who loveth best. Say that with me. He prayeth best who loveth best. Don't let that pass you by. Because if you love God, you want to be alone with Him in prayer. If you love the Lord, you want to spend time in worshiping with Him. Prayer is not just something we slip onto our agenda for the day or we slip into our calendar app or to whatever you use to schedule your day with. When we love God, it's a matter, this is the focus of our life. We want to get up and worship Him and fellowship with Him. Sometimes people ask me, say, what do you think, Pastor, that Jesus prayed about? I mean, He's God. He knows everything. And I remind them, listen, Jesus, according to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, it's called the kenosis theory, if, if you want a theological word for it. He emptied Himself. He emptied Him. He lived life like you and I did. He lived like, life like you and I could, except He was without sin, like Adam should have been. And he also lived it in fellowship with the Lord. He showed us how we could live. One of the things I think Jesus prayed for was strength, that he prayed for strength. That, that, I base that on Mark 14, 35 through 46, and how that at Gethsemane, Jesus was praying for strength. 
But he's just finished this marvelous evening of ministry in Capernaum. Remember, we looked at that two weeks ago. He's preached the gospel. He's healed the sick. You know, he was in the synagogue. Then he comes to Simon and Andrew's home. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. People then come all night long, and they're, they're bringing the sick, and they're bringing the, they're bringing the um, I just heard bells ringing there. We must be getting close to heaven. Uh, he's bringing the sick. They're bringing the demonized. And Jesus spends the night ministering to them and healing them. And he's got to be exhausted. I don't talk about this a lot, but let me just talk about this tonight. It is very exhausting to do ministry. It's very exhausting to pray, especially those times of persevering prayer when you're trying to pray somebody through. You empty your soul out. Sometimes in preaching, I was not too long ago preaching uh, for, a, for what's called a camp meeting. I was at a, probably several hundred people that were there, and I was preaching that evening. And there was a lot of time in the altar that I spent with people. And I could feel myself towards the end of that time just physically. It was like I could no longer hardly lift my arms. And somebody, and, and I, I ne you never try to show that because I think people try to feign that sometime. But I remember this, that this man just got stayed right close by me. And whenever I was finished praying, he and the host just took me. And he had already prepared something and put it around my shoulders they helped me to a car. They had something for me to drink and to eat as they took me back to the hotel. And I went back, and that's all I remember. I fell on the bed, and I never do that. I fell on the bed in my clothes, and I went to sleep. Let me tell you, Jesus spent the night ministering to people, casting out devils, healing the sick. He's already preached in the synagogue that day. When he goes to bed, he's exhausted. And I can tell you, being a pastor, what's happening. People are knocking on the door the next morning. And they wake up the disciples. And they're saying, they bought some more sick people. Now, you say, Pastor, you're reading between the lines. I know people. Okay? I've done this a long time. They're knocking on the door. They're bringing more sick people. And they're bringing more demonized people. And the disciples are like... We got a good thing going on right here. It's time to get the healing night going. It's time to get a band together. We're going to have a big night tonight, a big praise and healing service. And Jesus is going to blow on people and lay hands on people. And they're going to get knocked out and they're going to get healed. And Jesus is out in an isolated place. And they go and they try to find him. And they're not happy with him. I think he's praying about the temptation to choose an easier way. I think he's praying about that. I mean, fame is an elusive thing. That's what everybody wants, right, is fame. Everybody wants their name. If you've got a clothing line, you want fame. If you've got a business, you want fame. You want people to know about your business because bigger is better, right? I mean, that's what you're working for. And so... I think there's this temptation going on because remember the book of Hebrews says, Jesus was tempted in every way that you are, in every way that you are, in every way. There's no temptation taking God by surprise. Somebody told me one time, says, I'm not tempted. I go, you're dead. Okay, if you're telling me you're not ever tempted, you're dead. Or else you have zero dreams and you've already given in to the spirit of sloth and God hates sloth according to the Bible. I think he's being tempted, so he's struggling with that. And so what Jesus did is he got up and he reset. 
and he refocused in prayer. And that's what prayer does a, a prolonged time. Not the, not the constant prayer that we're in all during the day. But when you have that prolonged time of prayer, you reset and you refocus your day. You refocus upon your mission. And I'm just being honest with you. Finding time is never easy to pray. Finding time is never easy. Because as soon as you determine you're going to have a time of prayer, there's going to be a phone call. You're going to think of something else you need to do. You're going to think of something that's requiring your attention or there's a project, any number of things. Once you determine, I'm going to get up early in the morning and have a set time of prayer, or if you decide to do it in the evening, evening is not a good time for me for devotions. Because I can tell you when I go home tonight, the pillow is calling. And I love my pillow. Do you understand? I feel sound like that commercial donor. I love my pillow. I, I, I feel the pillow calling. I'm going, I'm going, Becky said to me the other day, she said, I wish I could fall asleep. She said, your bed, your bed hits the pillow and you're gone. And here's the deal. For me, it would never work. For you, it might. But if you're an evening person like Becky is, she's most creative at night, you still have to stay disciplined because you will find all kinds of distractions coming along. So, Pastor, we know this. Why are you telling us this? Because it's amazing how many people who know this and don't do this. Okay? It's the number one consistent thing that people come and talk to me about is I've never been able to maintain a consistent, focused prayer life. And if you study the life of Jesus, he had a consistent, focused prayer. Listen. I believe in prayer throughout the day. I believe in working and praying. I believe in walking and praying, exercising and praying. But spontaneous prayer will not do for you what a time of consistent, focused prayer and worship will do for you. If Jesus needed that, you need that. If Jesus was praying for strength, you need strength. If Jesus was praying for grace, you'd need grace. If Jesus was praying for guidance, you'd need guidance. If Jesus was resisting the temptation to fame, uh, you need resist. You need temptations that need to be resisted that can only be come through prayer. And if you face the pressure of well-meaning people, everyone's looking for you. How many of you know people can put pressure on you? You ever had that happen in your life? If you face that temptation, then you need it. If not, your grace and your strength. Grace is the ability to do what God has called us to do. Your grace and your strength are diminished. Number two, don't ever get sidetracked by your success. Don't ever get sidetracked by your success. Unfortunately, when God blesses many people with success, rather than keep their focus upon the Lord... They get sidetracked because success comes with a cost. And success can be an idol that says, you've got to feed me more time. You've got to feed me more money. You've got to feed me more energy. You've got to sacrifice more relationships because success wants to breed more success. And so it's important to understand what you're called to do. I mean, this was an opportunity Next week, we will look at when Jesus tells a man that he heals, think about this, and you'll see this several times in the New Testament, Jesus will tell him, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Jesus didn't want any marketing. I'm not against marketing. That's not what I'm saying. He didn't want any marketing. He says, don't tell anyone. Don't get sidetracked by success. Later, verse 36, 
Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. Now, what happens is they're shocked. They're surprised that Jesus would not follow up on that success. But Jesus understood something that I think most of you in this room understand. Many people, look at me, don't miss this. You can fill it in after because I think this is one of the most important points I'm going to make tonight. Many people want the miracle without the message. Many people want the answer without the message. Many people want success without the message. Many people want power without the message. Jesus stayed true to his focus because the message is all about the cross. And that is what many people don't want to hear. It's what got Paul in trouble with so many people because he says, I will glory in nothing except the cross of Christ. He would say, the cross is the center of all that I preach. J.C. Ryle, who was a bishop two centuries ago in England, said in the 1800s, he said, a praying master like Jesus can have no prayerless servants. We really need to think about that one too. A praying master like Jesus can have no prayerless servants. What's he saying? He says the same thing Jesus says. If I am your teacher, if I am your Lord, if I am who I say I am, then you're going to have to experience the same things I experienced. And prayer has to be a part. So you say, Pastor, how do I do that? My suggestion and I'll be honest, it's not what works for everybody, but it's what worked for Jesus, and it's worked well for me for many, many decades, is seek the Lord before your schedule for the day begins. Seek the Lord in prayer before your schedule begins. Because you have busy thoughts. Anybody have busy thoughts in here? Your mind just always working? I remember one of our sons said to us one night, He's having trouble going to sleep, and he just looked at me, and he says, Daddy, my mind won't stop working. <laughs> you know, just busy thoughts. You have busy schedules. How many of you already know what you've got to do tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, you've got a full day tomorrow, right? How many of you have more on your schedule, and you know you're not going to be able to get it all done? How many of you, if, you're, if you do what I do with your, your schedule I just put in a little arrow, which means this has got to go the next day. This has got to go the next day. And a lot of times what went to the next day has got to go the next day after that because things come up during the day. And so that's why I say getting up early in the morning, seeking the Lord. Thirdly, reflect. If you will take some time to reflect on Jesus' priority of prayer, if you'll just meditate on that, reflect, it will teach you a lot. Number one, Jesus prayed alone. But do you know why I like to do the Saturday night prayer service? Our district superintendent told me the other day, he says, that's an amazing service. He said, that's an amazing service. He says, sometimes, I, you know, he's, I, the reason I like to do it is because Jesus liked to pray with others as well. And sometimes he would wanted others to be close to him while he was praying, even if they weren't praying with him. I, and sometimes, and the people that the people that I ask to go to the mountain with me, are the people that serve on our pastoral staff, people on our board, our small group leaders. 
The people I ask to go to the mountain with me, I'm hoping they have an encounter like Jesus did when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he said to Simon, Peter, and John, he says, I want you, I want you to go up here with me. I want you to go up. Because when they went up with Jesus, they encountered heaven. They encountered something powerful. They saw Jesus transfigured. Remember that transfiguration story in the Bible? They saw him transfigured. And who were the other two men that were with him? Say it out loud. Was it? No, Elijah and Moses, right. Isn't that incredible? There you got the law and the prophets. That's what they're representing there. They're there. They're, and, and those three disciples, they got to see that. And that's what happens when you're willing. And let me dial it down. I'm getting excited. That's what happens is when you, you have these moments and you get along with God, occasionally all of heaven just opens up. And you see things and you experience things that you've never seen before. Now, let me say this. I distrust people who have those kind of experiences every day. Okay? There's only one transfiguration experience in the Bible. They're infrequent. But I can tell you, God is always there and listening and answering your prayers when you pray with Him. And then finally tonight, I'd say, I learned this from this passage, look for God's agenda. Look for God's agenda. Mark chapter 1 and verse 38, Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. Let's say that last sentence together. That is why I came. One more time. That is why I came. I can't tell you how many times in life you're going to be tempted to do something other than God's plan or God's will for your life. Throughout my ministry, there have been many other opportunities that have sounded really good and been encouraged to do, but I know what God called me to do, and you stay focused on that. That's why I came. It's seeking God's agenda. It's looking for God's agenda. I'm trying out a new app on my phone. I got one of those seven-day trials, one of my good friends is all excited about it says oh it's going to change your life and anytime somebody tells me it's going to change my life I'm going okay but it's called agenda and it's supposed to do all take your agendas and your notes and it's supposed to just take everything and make it beautiful and make it wonderful well there's a whole bunch of videos you got to watch to know how to use it so I can tell you already I'm not buying that app (laughs) okay because sometimes I've got a point with this listen And by the way, it's probably a good app. I just realized I called the name of an app that I shouldn't. But it's probably a great app. But it's got all these videos to watch to know how to use it. But I have noticed that the tools that are supposed to save us time can eat up our time by trying to learn how to use every new thing that comes along the pipe. Okay? I'm going to tell you, you're not going to go wrong with prayer and the Bible. Okay? Just learn to use those two things. Ken Blanchard defines a mismanaged ego as edging God out. Isn't that cool? And what's he talking about? The ego that is like the disciples saying, where are you at, Jesus? Everybody's knocking on the door. We need a big healing night tonight. I mean, we can do a repeat performance. It won't be long before all of Galilee is here. They forgot Jesus told a man, or, you know, he's, he's going to say, be quiet. Let's don't make noises abroad yet. You say, why? I'm dealing with this right now. 
He's got three years to accomplish his mission. I mean, that just, I can't tell you how that, that was like a thunderbolt hit me. Three years to finish up. Jesus has got three years to accomplish his mission. He doesn't need the crowds getting in the way. He's got to preach to other towns. He's got, but because people are not quiet, he can't even go into the villages. At times he has to stay outside the village, sleep in a lonely place, and people still seek him out. It's not that God was calloused. He was full of compassion. But sometimes you and I can learn a lesson from Jesus' challenges. And that is look for God's agenda because success, we want good success. God said to Joshua, I'll give you good success. But there's a thing called bad success that will eat your time, eat your relationships, and eat up your life all because it demands more and more. When you experience good success, God gives you more and more and more, more grace, more strength, more people to help you, more people to work with you. Jesus wasn't hiding when he was in prayer. When you're in prayer, you're not hiding from the world. You're not hiding from your, your wife or from your husband. You're not hiding from your family. When I'm in prayer for my family in the morning, I'm becoming more open and more accessible to my family and my grandchildren, even Josiah, who can't speak to me in community. I'm becoming more accessible to Josiah as I intercede and pray in the Spirit for Josiah. Later in the morning when I transition to my prayer for Woodland, I am closer to Woodland when I'm in prayer for Woodland than I am when I'm having coffee with you or cake with you or lunch with you. Because as you become open and accessible to God, you also experience that ability to bring other people into the presence of the Lord. Do, do you follow what I'm saying? It's what Jesus did with the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. Prayer enables us to connect other people not only to the power of God, but to the love of God. And if you want to know perhaps maybe why your witness is not as effective as it could be, try spending more time praying for your lost friends before you talk to your lost friends. Try spending more time really interceding for your lost friends before you even take them a gift. Because when you open yourself up to God, you open yourself up to his love and his power, and that bleeds over into your relationships. So let's take that ego, mismanaged ego, and let's make it first engage God only first thing in the morning. Engage God only. That's the cure for a mismanaged ego because when you get in the presence of God, you realize how great God is and how small you are. When you get in the presence of God, you realize how great God is and how small your company, whether it's Ford or General Motors, how small it really is. My grandson asked me the other day, he says, Papa, have you ever met a billionaire? And I go, yeah. And I named him two billionaires that I've met. He goes, Papa, do they fund your ministry? <laughs> I knew where this was going. I says, no, buddy, they don't fund my ministry. People who, who, who give and tithe, they fund the ministry of our church. And I said, I've, you know, so we had a little talk about that. Here's the thing you need to know. When you engage with God, everybody's always hoping that somebody's going to give them something. And I know it's not a popular name to say, but I learned something in the 70s 
uh, one day when I was still in college that I heard Oral Roberts say, and he says, stop looking for people as your provision and look to God. That little statement never missed, never, it's just always been at work in my heart. Engage God only. The second thing I would say is exalt God only. Exalt God only. Because when I exalt God only, then my ego is consistently pointing to Christ. That's what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. I want my ego to consistently and constantly be pointing to Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you were to puncture my blood veins tonight, I hope that every drop would come out going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, I'm not saying that to sound holy. It's what I want. It's what I want for you, that if somebody was to puncture woodland, that it would just be Jesus, 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 Jesus. That everybody, that's what happens with a healthy ego that, that engages God and exalts God. And when you do that, when you do that and you exalt God, look at Acts chapter 2, 33, where Peter was preaching. And speaking about Jesus, he says, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. When we engage God, when we exalt God in prayerful worship and spending time along with him, we can expect the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us. Amen? I mean, that's what we want in life. So, just three things real quickly for your growth work, and then we're going to say goodnight. I need to retreat to be able to reenter. And by that, I mean I need to get along with God. I need to be shut in alone with God in a secret place. There in his presence, beholding his face, gaining new power to run in the race. Oh, I need to be shut in with God. Secondly, I need to give myself to internalizing the Bible. I need to give myself not just to reading the Bible, but internalizing the Bible. It dawned on me just recently, we, you know, I carry my Bible here. I, I just got a, a new Bible to be doing in the, the margins that I hope to be able to leave one behind for each of my kids and that they can decide what to do with later in life. And so now I'm working on filling those margins in. We're blessed to carry the Bible, but you realize when Jesus went into the wilderness, Jesus didn't have a Bible to carry with him. He had internalized the Word. Those were big scrolls. I was in a synagogue recently in a service, and they bought the scroll out, and they, it's, they treat it so holy, they use a marker, they don't even, a, a pointer, they don't even touch it. And, and I just looked at that and thought, there's just no way you could carry that around in your back pocket like you can do your iPhone now. And on my iPhone, I got a dozen translations on there, and some of you do too. But Jesus gave them the Word. And so we need to be memorizing the Word. It's one of the things that we teach you in Woodland 201, Discovery Maturity. We, you need to be internalizing, memorizing the Word so that you can quote the Word. When I'm praying with people, my biggest prayer with the sick is always to be praying Scripture over them. And then the third thing Blaise Pasquel didn't quite get this right. The problem is not that we need more time alone. We need more time to be alone, to be present to God. We're not talking about loneliness. We're talking about solitude.
because when we're alone, then we can be present with the Lord. Can you say amen? Well, let me pray with you before we go tonight. Our Father in heaven, we love you. And we thank you that you even give us this invitation. Lord, I pray that we'll not make prayer more difficult than what it should be, and that's a conversation with you. I pray that we'll not try to separate prayer from our Bible reading, but when we read the Psalms, we will pray them back to you. When we read the prayers of the Bible, we will internalize them and pray them back to you, that when we read the promises of the Bible, we will pray them back to you and, as Jacob did and remind you of your word. And then, Lord, when we read the prophecies, we will pray about them and how we can, Lord, be prepared and how we can help others to be prepared. And when we read warnings, Lord, that we'll take heed to ourselves. For Jesus, when you warn us, it's for our good, it's for our benefit. And Father, when we read those commands, that we will delight in them, for they are a pathway into life. I ask you, Lord, to help us to pray with others as well. I need not only my time alone, but Lord, I need my time with the people of God. And so I pray that you'll give us that desire to be with other people, to pray and to worship. And then finally, Lord, I would ask you, as Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, Lord, as he asked them to be present with him at other times, give us those special few people that surround us and are our prayer partners in life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, God bless you so much. Thanks for joining us tonight. I hope to see you on Sunday, okay? Good night. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church on our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment, click that subscribe button, and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you, and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.